Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Someone, I mean, we were watching a show yesterday and someone was like, they knew two Marvel characters and the host was like, oh, nerd alert. And I was like, you're joking, right? You're joking. He knew who yeah. Spider-Man yeah. and Chris Hemsworth was. <laughs> uh, you can make a reference to the most profitable movie yeah. franchise of all time. Freaking nerd. I'm dude. such a Disney nerd. I know all the words under the sea. Oh, do you? Congratulations. <laughs> I'm such a Disney nerd. I'm such Name a nerd. One. My favorite song is Nasabenya. I know all the words. I know all the words. I'm such a nerd. Welcome to The Crunch, the only podcast that eats Pop-Tarts once a year. It's your boy, Ethan. And I'm Patrick. I just had my my Pop Tart of the Year, just now. <laughs> it's like it's like a subscription box, like Ethan's Pop Tart of the Year. Ethan's Pop Tart of the Year. It's April twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. The Ides of March. The I- <laughs> It's the Ides of March, <laughs> and next year on this very day to honor William Shakespeare and all that he did for our country is I'm going to eat my uh, the Pop Tart of next year and every William year. William Shakespeare's birthday was yesterday. Was it really? Yeah, and he died on his birthday too. Oh. Poor guy. Poor guy. Poor eh, guy. He's probably he's probably done. He's probably finished. Yeah. He probably he's like wrote a ton of plays and was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, exit stage left. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? How are you? Um, I'm doing, I'm doing well. I, I, I chopped off most of my beard yesterday. It doesn't and, look uh, any shorter. Yeah, it does. Are no, you it kidding? really. It was it down. Does. It was down here. Was it really? Yeah, it was. It was very long. I Usually like, when I I'm looking at you, that part of your face is covered by the microphone. That's and so fair. I guess like I am seeing just as much as the beard now as I did before. That makes Ma- sense. Yeah, I don't know. The beard the beard isn't the most exciting thing that happened yesterday. I started okay. watching if this is the most exciting thing that happened to me yesterday. I started watching um it was it was number one on, on Netflix and mm. so, okay, we watched a really sad movie yesterday. Mm. Okay. Mm. I'm not gonna say what it is, it'll spoil the ending. Watched okay. a really sad movie on Netflix last night. And then I was like, we need to watch something happy or something junky, you know, like something that junky. requires junky. like really low mental energy. And I saw that the number one trending, I don't trust that because Netflix is pushing its own movies, but the number mm-hmm. one trending uh, uh, TV show on Netflix at the time was The Circle. The, the Circle. Social media, the social media competition game. Have you heard of it? Uh, wasn't it a book? And then it was a movie with Emma Watson and now it's a TV show? Um, am I thinking of the same thing? I don't think so. Okay. This well, is a, this is a re- this is like a game show. Oh, it's a game show. Yeah. So like the Big game Brother. Show, yes. Except okay. everyone's in different rooms and they aren't allowed to talk to each other except through this fake social media website. What? This sounds yeah, it's, awful. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. And like literally most of the show is them cooking. Okay. And eating and looking at the TV and like talking to each other through this fake chat thing. Okay. Um. So you, you can't convince me that this the, the premise of the is that there's a voice activated TV in their in their apartment 
Uh-huh. And they have like a TV in their bedroom and the living room and the kitchen and the bathroom. And like there's a TV everywhere mm-hmm. and there's cameras everywhere too. Mm-hmm. And they can like use this voice activated social media network to talk to the other seven people in the game. Uh-huh. Um, you, you won't be able to convince me that it's actually a voice activated TV. Someone's no, listening yeah. to them and typing everything. Yes, absolutely. Because they're like circle TV type. Cause not, nothing ever messes up. You know, that's right. the thing. That's how know. you know. Yeah. Um, they're able to just say like, show the laughing out loud emoji. Like if you said that to, to Siri right now, she'd be, she'd like, be like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking I about. I don't understand. <laughs> Thanks. Siri. Freaking big help. Um, anyway, so that was interesting. Um, yeah. It doesn't sound, it sounds awful. It's like, hi, no, I'm, it I'm George Orwell. And here's a new game show based on my hit book, 1984. You remember 1984? <laughs> the, book we all, like the book we invested. all love and, and reference as our favorite, happiest, joyful book that any of us have ever read. Cause it's about good things. Here's a game <laughs> show started, based on that. We started watching it and I was fully expecting to be like, this is garbage TV. But within five minutes we were like, we love this person. We hate them. No, <laughs> and we want them to lose. Oh no. <laughs> you you fell victim to the editing. They yeah. created a narrative and you bought in. Who's you this guy? What's he up to? You're in instantly. You know? <laughs> Who's this guy? What's he up to? We love him. We love him. <laughs> he is I love perfect. Guy. He is Oh my gosh, he is fabulous and he is Catholic. <laughs> and he is certainly not practicing, but I will not hold him to that. No. Um Oh my gosh, it was so funny. That's it was, good. Well, there's a, there's a good one time. kid. There's one kid who like doesn't like social media, and he's like never had social media before, mm-hmm. and so he it's he's adorable. He doesn't know what he's doing. Two people are purposefully catfishing. They're like pretending to be somebody else. How do you win the game? You win the game by becoming the most popular person <laughs> <laughs> out of eight people, though. So it's like it's like it, we we've come full circle of like yeah that that idea the of a game system. show would have <laughs> it's literally even literally like the first task they had was rank everybody from one to seven like You're that was kidding. the first task based on their profile pictures and bios and this is something awful. that would have been lampooned 15 yeah. years ago yeah as, and the as top two people the top two people became the influencers and they got to like <laughs> they got to go to a private chat and like decide who to block what i know i know and they blocked the number three obviously obviously they did that play the game (laughs) you gotta play the game right oh my gosh it was it was it's it was really interesting it's like our favorite the crunch's favorite game show kid nation when they had to swim around in a in a pool of beans to find (laughs) cans of meat or a a pool of pigs to find cans of beans is what it was and then whoever found the most cans got to eat that week it's like okay, <laughs> let's just, let's back up the game show truck. We we've gone too oh far. My I like it. I like it when game shows are you stand there and yeah. the man with lots of Botox in his face asks you a question, and then if you respond, you get money. That should be that should we be have, the only we kind have of game broken show. the boundaries of life and death, and this chicken got a one way ticket. What did he say? <laughs> something like that. <laughs> something like that. Oh gosh. I, oh, when yeah. they kill a chicken! The word, the my favorite part of that entire show, and I've only seen clips of it, but the best part was a, making a bunch of prepubescent kids mm-hmm. discuss if and then how to murder a chicken. <laughs> Followed by the next week, making a bunch of uh, prepubescent kids discuss and then decide how to hold 
an interfaith uh, prayer service. Uh-huh. <laughs> they, which is like awesome. It's like, wow, these kids made more progress on ecumenism than anyone has made in the past yeah. 300 years. Uh-huh. And it's because you didn't feed them and you let them get burned and uh, drink bleach. And, <laughs> you know, that's maybe that's what we should do with all the bishops and patriarchs and leaders of like the Lutheran free church. Be like, let's send them to where the Bishop kid nation. camp was. <laughs> let's, let's let them d- jump into a pool full of pigs and find cans of beans. And whoever finds the most. I'm pretty sure that's how they re uh, I'm pretty sure that's how they reconciled with the Armenian church with the council it's of sound. Florence. They just made the, they just made the Pope and yeah. the patriarch of Armenia mm-hmm. or wherever the Armenian church is <laughs> jump mm-hmm. into, <laughs> jump into a bucket of beans. Uh-huh. find a bunch of cans uh-huh and they were this, like you guys yeah. don't have to ordain the way we do now you exactly did. this just uh, you think you think we should baptize by full immersion and he just tackles them straight into the, into the pile <laughs> of beans how about yeah, this for full go. immersion boom i bean ties you <laughs> what <laughs> i'm gonna be you just got bean ties <laughs> i don't know i don't know i don't know about bean ties um pretty good though yeah, great. Good stuff. That's good. It's good stuff. How are you I, doing? I'm doing well. I was on spring break last week, hence why we had Woo. to record today. Thank you for being flexible. Today, usually Patrick and I record on Wednesday afternoon between 1 and 3 p.m. Ooh, Central yeah. time. But this week, because I was in Oklahoma City all week long, yeah, we had to record. I was going to record yesterday. had to take Emma's car into the shop because a, a spring was broken. Uh, I How took it in. I said, hey, car? hey, there's a, a, there's a, a strut. It was a spring. Oh. I think that goes around the shock, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, the spring is the shock, I think. Well, the spring and the shock are connected. Someone's okay. listening and, like, is punching the air right It's now. like Patrick. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, and so the, the spring, uh, it, I took it in. And I said, hey, it sounds like an angle grinder is going off under the hood of the car whenever you drive it. And he was like, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll take a look at it. They call me back and they say, hey, did you get in an accident? I was like, I don't know. It's because Emma's car. I don't know what she does. Um, <laughs> Probably not. I would have heard about that. <laughs> did you hit a deer? Did you hit a curb or anything? I was like, ah, I couldn't tell you. And he's like, well, your spring looks like a crescent instead of a spring. And I was like, whoa, that seems like they really just. <laughs> not correct. Yeah, it seems like that's the wrong thing. And he's like, so it'll it'll cost, you know, like $1,500 to fix. And I was like, Ooh. will it? will it cost that much? And he was like, well, that includes replacing your front and rear brakes and also your shock absorbers. And I was like, well, what if we didn't do, what if you didn't replace all the things that I don't want and you just replaced the thing that I came in for you to fix? Yeah. And he was like, oh, that'll be $600. And I was like, okay, that seems, seems that a bit more, makes more sense, yeah. makes more sense uh, versus you trying to sell. <laughs> so he's like, we got to fix your brakes. I was like, dog, you're, you're stepping out of line. This is, you were, you've not been consecrated for that work. You, you <laughs> need to look at my spring. This is why you need to have a relationship with a good mechanic. Like you need to have a friendship with a good mechanic. In Newcastle, yeah. there's a great there's a great car repair shop who that's owned by the parents of one of my teens, and I trust oh, him nice. with my car. I trust yeah. him with my car because he's not gonna he's not gonna you know wring me dry. But Firestone, yeah. Firestone, I told you this story. I think they they had um the tire pressure indicator that's mm-hmm. in your wheel, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was working fine. And then they told me that yeah, I needed yeah, to broken. replace it and it was $1,200. Yeah. And I was like, first of all, it was working fine. So one of you guys must have broken it. And they were like, well, it was broken when we got to it. And so I called I called the the repair shop in Texas that repaired that changed my tire like a year ago. And mm-hmm. I was like, did you guys break it? And they were like, 
uh, no, but if we did, the indicator light would have been on for the past year. And I was like, oh, it wasn't. And so I called them back mm-hmm. and I was like, just don't replace the indicator light if it's really that big of a deal. And they're like, well, we already replaced it. We just won't charge you for it. And I was like, oh, how convenient. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> nice. The, uh, yeah. So the, the problem was, is that Emma had to take my car to work. That was the whole nah. issue. And yeah. so she had to work Friday. And so I just had to take it into the closest mechanic to where she lives so that I could walk back to her apartment and have somewhere to be for all day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I did. So all my friends were at work. Emma if only was at someone work. invented Uber. Well, I just don't, I mean, if I can walk, I might as well <laughs> yeah, walk. Yeah, fair you enough. Know? You can walk. So, uh, so that was pretty cool. Across the dusty plains. Of I Oklahoma. gave a talk on Wednesday about Mary to the OU students at yeah. the University of Oklahoma Catholic Center, St. Thomas More. They have a beautiful church there. They just redid it last year. It's got the, I'm a sucker for like the blue starry sky above the, above yeah. the, the altar, you know, it just, uh-huh. it gets me. I'm like, wow. I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm Abraham, you know, looking up. Yeah, looking up at the stars. It's like, man, I'm my my look look oh look at eighty stars. So will my descendants right. be? Can you I'll number have 80. them? Count them. <laughs> One, two, two. God's like, no, not actually. Don't stop. Stop. Stop numbering them. Stop it. Don't do, Don't it. do, it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, uh, we watched a space movie yesterday. Watch? I hate space movies. It was called Stowaway. Is this the sad one? It's about. Uh, yeah. yeah, I spoiled it. I'm sorry. It's fine. It said, never mind. Um, but the the plot of the movie is someone accidentally is they go on a Mars mission and someone um who was a worker like fell and got knocked unconscious in like a cubby hole of the of the spaceship he was mm-hmm. repairing and they launched the spaceship uh-huh. with him cool. in it and they don't figure it out until they're on their way to Mars. <laughs> Which has the potential to be a wacky yeah, situation. Zany, zany you know? comedy. Until you remember that oxygen for three people and four people is different. Yeah. <laughs> and so they have to figure that out. But they have to like go on a spacewalk. And I hate spacewalks. Because I'm very afraid of uh-huh. heights. And I realize that that heights fear uh, correspond, it, it transfers quite nicely to the never-ending abyss well, the of thing space. about space is that there's no height. It's just, You're always... You're always level with everything around you because there's no gravity. So, what's the well? There, there's 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 artificial gravity because they're spinning. Oh, it's okay. Gotcha. So the the craft the craft had a counterweight to make them uh-huh. spin, so they could have artificial gravity while they were of traveling. Course. And so when they were doing the spacewalk, they were like on a thing that was uh-huh. spinning. So they essentially had gravity. But that means if they fell off, they would be thrown right. in space. Have you ever seen the movie Gravity? Yeah. Did yes. you hate that first 20 minutes of the movie where the starship gets or the spaceship gets torched and then Anne Hathaway is like flying around? I don't know if it's Anne Hathaway. Pretty sure it's Gwyneth. No, Blanchard. it's uh Blindside. No. Yeah, uh-huh. Sandra Bullock. Sandra yeah, Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. She's yeah. flying around and she's like, George Clooney, help. Help me, George Clooney. <laughs> she's swinging around for like 20 minutes and it's the most stressful it's super impressive to see it up on the big screen because you're like whoa this yeah. is nuts but it's also very stressful because she's just out there in space and eventually she makes it back uh yeah i hated that too yeah no more space movies for me the martian was the only space movie i could watch yeah i i hate speaking of dune i hate that the pandemic pushed dune back because you know that like the chris with the christmas day release and like putting it off until people can go back to theaters. 
you know it's like they're just trying to be a franchise, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And you have to have a big blockbuster franchise release to show that you're profitable for investors. Yeah. I just hate that that's a thing. I know. I just want to watch Dune. I just want to see Dune in theaters. I just want to see Dune. I would watch Dune in my living room, okay? I'm going to go I see would. I'm going to see it in theaters. We're, we're going to go see it in theaters together. In September? <laughs> so I'm going to get married, right? And th- right yeah. now we're in, we're in Marriage Watch, okay? Marriage Watch 2021. The countdown's happening. <laughs> we're almost 100 days away. I think we're like 103 days away from my, my wedding. Okay. Um, so right now we're in Marriage Watch. August 8th, I'm on Dune Watch. Like that is the, that's the, <laughs> the next thing that's coming. It's the day after. It's the day after. It's like, all right, we did that thing. It's here. It's present. Emma's excited to go see Dune with Dune me. Dune time. Uh, yeah. you can fly down. We can have a whole, everybody can come see Dune. This is everybody a, come. I'm saying it to everyone on the crunch podcast. If you come, I might go see Dune with you. I will fly to Oklahoma, fly to Oklahoma. To Let's all go see Dune together. I will go to Oklahoma where the ground is basically like Dune. It's just a desert. There's nothing there. Exactly. Right? It's, it's Oklahoma. coarse and rough. It gets everywhere. <laughs> Oh, you're such a nerd. You reference Star Wars. <laughs> All right, you want to do All the hot right. take time hot machine? Hot Dune time machine. Hot Dune time machine. <laughs> hot take Dune machine. Hot take Dune machine. Hot take time machine. Welcome to the Hot Take Time Machine, the part of the show where we take a look back at the prime of our social media posting lives. If you have a hot take that's five years older, please, for all that is good and holy. Send it to us, info at thecrunchcast.com. Ethan, do you have a hot take for us? I do. Do you remember what uh, holiday was this week? Was it Easter? No. Five years ago? No, 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 no. There was a really big holiday. Everybody was posting about it. If you are socially conscious, you had to make a post about it. Oh, Earth Day. Earth Day. I didn't know it was Earth Day until in the pillar post that got emailed to my (laughs) inbox said, if you've been online at all, you would know that it was Earth Day. And I was like, huh. I guess it was Earth Day the other day. I remembered it was Earth Day. As I was falling asleep, I told Phoebe, I was like, man, if I had a Twitter, I would have posted the best things. Like, what would you post? And I would have posted, man, I can't believe the Earth is 2,021 years old today. (laughs) I feel like you've made that joke. You can do that that joke joke. every single year. It's so funny. You can do that joke on New Year's Eve. You can do that joke on Earth Day. You can do that joke on the 4th of July with America. It's very funny. It's so good. It's a three-time-a-year joke. The trifecta. It's a great joke. Um, So it's not as good as that. But I do, I do have a, uh, I call it the old Ethan gotcha from 2016. Yeah. So April okay. 22nd, 2016. It says, <clears throat> do atheists celebrate Earth Day or do they call it one in a quadrillion planetary accident day? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, good one, Ethan. Very pithy. Good one, Ethan. You got him. <laughs> yeah, really, really lit them Checkmate up. atheists. <laughs> uh, why would you celebrate Earth Day if you think it was just an accident, bro? Yeah, why would you celebrate? <laughs> okay, can we can we talk about that Neil deGrasse Tyson video that I sent yes. you real quick? Yeah, we can. I so Neil deGrasse Tyson posted this TikTok, and he's like, "You've been really on the so TikTok I, lately." Yeah, I have been. You got you got to get off the juice. Got to get off the juice. And he was like, and he was like, you know, I think we live in a simulation. And I'm like, oh, do you now? Do you? Go on. And he's like, but I heard a really. Good, I've been doing a lot of reading and discussing with some colleagues. And I was like, good Lord, they're paying you for this. Okay. And he's like, and I'm pretty sure that I have a good argument that we're not. And okay, he gave a really good argument for why we're not in the simulation. Right. But he gave a really stupid argument for why we are. He was like, 
there's a main world, a world, a universe prime that learns how to make a new world that doesn't realize it's in a simulation. And then that world learns how to make a simulated world. And then that one, and he's like, et cetera, et cetera. Throw a dart, odds are you're going to hit a simulated world. And I'm like, yes, in this imaginary scenario that you've invented, uh-huh. odds are. Yeah. <laughs> but then he was like, he's like, uh, but we know that we haven't figured out how to make simulated worlds yet. So either we're the first one or the last one. And I was like, yeah, okay. That's a pretty good argument that mm-hmm. you you know worked your way out of, I guess. Right. But he's like, but it's not zero. I'm like, no, I feel like it's pretty zero. It's pretty zero. I mean, if you think about yeah. it, like infinite, because that could go on in infinity times. And so yeah. infinity minus two is infinity divided by infinity is still yeah. one, which I don't know where that goes. And I'm like, that's just the prime mover argument. It really is. But like applied to an imaginary situation. I had, a, I had and, someone. I was, but my main, my main problem with this. Okay, go ahead was that he had to use philosophy uh-huh. to walk his way out of becoming a crazy person. <laughs> okay? Usually and people use philosophy people, to walk their way into becoming crazy people. Right? But Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bill Nye are both very anti-philosophy. Which is stupid, um, because in order to be anti-philosophy, you have to use philosophy. <laughs> to explain why philosophy is bad. explain why philosophy is bad. Yeah. But it's just, anyway, I, I, I want to point out this. Because it, I, I think that's a very my, – my normal argument against the simulated world is usually against, like, the, the individual simulated world. Like, how do you know you're not in a simulation? My favorite argument of that comes from a YouTuber who did, who's not a philosopher, but he was like, I, I thought about what if my entire life is simulated, but then, then that means I invented calculus. <laughs> that's pretty funny. But I think it's very funny. Yes. The, I had a student – once upon a time who was convinced or not convinced, but just, it was a big hurdle for him to believe in God. Uh, yeah. cause he's like, what if we're, what if this is all simulated? It's like, it like what you said with the prime mover thing. Even if, even if we're in a simulated world, I'll grant you that somebody still had to make the computers. Somebody still had to originally design the system originally progressed to the point where they could do that. And those, that life had to originate somewhere, right? Like it just, it really just saying we're in a simulation. Sure. We're in a simulation, but it just begs the question. Like all the things are still, where did the first, where did the prime world come from? Like all the questions still exist, still exist. So like, why, why put all these intermediate, like what we are experiencing is, is true. And that's why the whole Descartes turn, I think therefore I am like, I think I'm in a simulation. Therefore I am in a simulation. (laughs) That's not exactly how that works. I, yeah. I know. <laughs> what if that's what he said? My, my favorite part about the Cartesian the Cartesian principle that I think therefore I am is that it applies to everything. I poop, therefore I am. You know, like mm-hmm. you can't poop if you don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your hot take? What's my hot take? Yeah, uh, speaking of poop. Um, Good. Uh, this one comes from April 2016. Uh, there were a bunch of ants on the toilet paper. Good thing I caught that first, or that would have been disastrous. Uh, <laughs> that's Patrick, awful. <laughs> why why did very... you pick that? You had so much time to pick a tweet. You picked that one. <laughs> what about ants going into your butthole? That's not... <laughs> we don't want to hear about that. Nobody wants to hear, hear about, about that. that. Oh, my gosh. May 5th, 2016. At this point, I don't care who wins the presidency. All three candidates would look hilarious in Disney's Hall of Presidents. Disney has um, a Hall of Presidents? Oh, yeah. You don't know about the Hall of Presidents? We were just talking about Disney World. I don't really know too much about it. Is it at Disney World? 
Yeah, it's a Disney Hall of Presidents. It has every president, and then um, the the big the big presidents, the one that the ones that everybody knows about, like George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, uh-huh. and those two. And then like they they give a little speech <clears throat> about how great America is, and how important it is to like you know not be racist and stuff. Um, <laughs> and and then and then the uh, they do an automaton of the most recent president mm-hmm. of their being sworn in. So oh, like I see. they get they they the president usually like goes to Disney and like Disney records him at his records his or her inauguration, um, and then all the presidents look on and they nod. You know, it's very uh, the uh, I I want to go see it so I can see the Trump. Uh, I I haven't been to Disney World in the past five years, so oh, I don't so know sad. I don't know the Trump Hall of President what it looks like. They have Grover Cleveland twice. I'm just kidding. They don't, but that'd be fine. Oh yeah, the Trump Hall of Presidents. The Trump Hall of Presidents president looks uh, looks terrifying. Really? Um, people are asking D- Disney to hide or remove Donald Trump. Yikes! You can't just you can't just get rid of him. He was president. He was president. That's forever. And but people people are making the the important point that it's we should. Um, he's like, should we remove problematic presidents? Mm. So like, oh gosh, he we, does look pretty pretty scary he does look terrifying <laughs> oh dear um, oh no but none of them look exactly like friendly I, know, they all look oh. kind of terrifying it's yeah. interesting it's yeah, an interesting golly, Miss question Molly. it is like should we keep you know nixon in the hall of presidents you know like <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah i but. mean it's it's well it's the the question of like is it going to be a hall of presidents or is it going to be a hall of people that we like is it going to because be a Hall of Fame for presidents? Because right. we don't put I mean, everybody in a Hall of Fame. If you want to make it a Hall of Fame for presidents, great. Have fun deciding who's going to be in your Hall of Fame of presidents. But if you want to have a Hall of Presidents, you got to put all the presidents in. <laughs> you got yeah. to do it. Or what they could do is they could make a more intellectually honest Hall of Presidents. And instead of you know beating the drum for the international visitors of Disney World mm-hmm. to be reminded of how amazing America is, mm-hmm. um, they could just be like, hey uh, – this president, this president could, this problematic president could talk about how he made mistakes in his presidency and how mm-hmm. we need to, you know, overcome those mistakes as a culture. Yeah. You know, we Gerald R. Ford peed sitting down. Here at Disney <laughs> World, you don't have to pee sitting down. <laughs> you, can we have, stand, we have, you can stand and pee anywhere. All you have to do is walk up to one of our Disney magic makers and just say, hey, I would like to make some magic and they'll take you to the nearest urinal. <laughs> If you just, if you just, if you, Disney is so efficient with cleaning up their garbage. If you just defecate, it's gone. Like you can't even find it. It's just I know. gone. Before there's someone is there with a Mickey Mouse shaped bag catching it as it comes out of you. You know? They're, they're so good. They're so yeah. good at, at, the, at the Disney. It's great. It's great. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Okay. Well, with that, with the with the, with I'm the so Donald excited Trump, for the topic. You you the you, Donald you Trump hyped, animatron. I did hype it up. You hyped the topic, this, and now I'm excited. It's it's gonna be good. So let me let me let me preface, big preface guy. I went to the bookstore. Okay. Uh, during my time in Emma's apartment, where she was not around, like she worked three <laughs> three yeah. out of the four days that I was there this week, or three out of the five days. And so I had some time. I did a lot of work, did a lot of studying for my real estate job. Uh, so that was really fun. Got some lunches with some people, gave a talk on Mary at OU, all this stuff. It stayed pretty busy. But there's a great used bookstore right across the street from Emma's apartment. That's dangerous. And it is dangerous. But the books are so cheap. <laughs> you, can like, you can get like five for $10. Oh, my it's amazing. gosh. I know. Um, it's like thrift books, but in real life. Uh, <laughs> And so I went and the last time I was there, I spent the whole time in the religion section. Nice. Uh, and just what I like to do when I, you're probably the same way is I like to go and I like to look at every single book on every single shelf just <laughs> to see if there's anything if worth there's any buying. Good there, stuff, you know? Right. I'm, I'm not there to quickly browse. I am there to examine thoroughly yes. what the contents of this bookstore are because for a bookstore that's like new books, that's no fun. Cause you, it's just, uh, who it's knows? Like, like it's probably, probably going to be new stuff and probably not going to be anything that anyone wants to read. And the stuff anyway. that everyone wants to read is front and center and it's expensive, you know, exactly. but like in a used exactly. bookstore, the stuff that I want to read is hidden because not everybody knows that this is a really good book, you know, it's hidden and it's $3. It's amazing. Yeah, so it's crazy. <laughs> so I did the religion <laughs> section last time I was there and it's a lot of Schofield reference Bibles. A lot, okay. lot of those. Cause it's, I mean, we're in Oklahoma, so there's naturally not a ton of Catholic stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I found, you know, a couple things like the standard stuff. C.S. Lewis, some Chesterton, some Teresa of Lisieux, some like, you know, like weird old books that are just for show. That's like the life of St. Francis of Assisi. And it's like, well, you wouldn't actually read that. It's just obviously for a show. Yeah. But um, so there's some stuff like that. So there wasn't much in the religion section. So this time that I went, I looked, looked through the, the classics section. Oh, that'll get Which you, was, yeah. yeah, which was pretty fun. So... I found another Edith Hamilton book. We'll have to talk about Edith Hamilton another another time because okay. I've I've been reading some books by Edith Hamilton. She's a kind of like a pop historian, not in the negative sense, but she uh, in the I don't know 1940s took uh, Greek and Roman mythology, popularized it, basically took all of the Roman Greek and Roman ah, myths. She's and like plays a modern day Rick Riordan. Right, but she didn't make a story out of it. She just explained, oh. like, here's all the gods. Here's what they do. Here's what they believed about them. Here's how the beliefs progress. And I'm going to tell you the stories in common English so you don't have to try and parse your way through a Greek poem translated into English yeah. probably poorly. That's and tough. so she'll she'll cite from the poems, and you'll get to read some of the lines, but mostly she's, she's explaining it to you and uh, summarizing it. But I found some books from her, which is really great. I love reading about that stuff. But the, the big find, it wasn't actually that big. I just really love this book that I found. T.S. Eliot, okay? Okay. I don't read a lot of poetry, but uh, T.S. Eliot has some essays, lots of essays that he's written. And I found this bad boy. T.S. Eliot, Christianity and Culture, two noted books complete in one volume. The two essays that are in here are The Idea of a Christian Society, which is what we're going to be talking about. Okay. Yeah, which is, I saw it and I was like, Post-liberalism, baby. Oh, baby, it's We're going to talk about it. (laughs) And then the second one is Notes Towards the Definition of Culture, which I haven't read yet. So I've read the entire first essay, which is is a step in the right direction for me, because usually I start talking about books before I've completed them. And (laughs) (laughs) uh, since since I had some time, 
I I read this book this week and I freaking loved it. And I'll give some uh, probably some just like overview of what he's trying to argue in the book and then look at some specific quotes because I want your your thoughts on them. Uh, I think you should, if you have a way to access this, I think you should read it. The Idea of a Christian Society by T.S. Eliot. I really think there's a lot of good stuff in here. Um, so with that said, you ready to roll? I'm so ready to roll. Okay. His whole argument is that the the Christian society is not what people I tend concur. to think of it as, right? <laughs> when he says that we should have a Christian society, he's not saying everyone needs to be Christian Everyone has to be a super faithful Christian. Everyone in office has to be really mm-hmm. pious and really holy. And mm-hmm. everybody making all the decisions has to be really pious and really holy. Because uh, that's a lot of times when we say we want to have yeah. a Christian state or we want to yeah. have a Christian society, people will think that it's that. And everybody's like going to mass every single day and there's no option yeah. to not go to mass. Like it's just this weird swing way further than it needs to be. Yeah, because like we identify society with the state and yeah. in our mind if we have a society that all does this thing it's because it's mandated by the state so like a society that goes to school is because that's mandated by the state you know right. um yeah and then like i listen to, i listen to this podcast that like they list they it's a podcast that talks about like a, a crazy right-wing conspiracy podcast which i think is very funny yes it's, so it's two it's two very left-wing guys talking about this right-wing conspiracy podcast it's very interesting and um he always talks about like we live in a Christian nation, et cetera, et cetera. And they, they, mm-hmm. they, they're like, this person wants a theocracy. Yeah. And it's, I don't think this person does want a theocracy. I think this person wants a th- theocratic dictatorship, which is like very different from like a Christian, like a Christian nation is not a theocracy. This mm-hmm. fellow probably does want a theocracy. But like when we yeah. talk about a Christian nation, we're not talking about a theocracy. Yes. Yeah. And the word, yes. And he's also writing it from, uh, he was, he's American, but he moved to England and basically was very English in his thought and how he wanted to live. Mm-hmm. And so he's coming at it from, he's speaking, he does reference America quite a bit, but he's speaking about primarily, this is England. He's writing this in 1938. Uh, it's published in 1939, right before the outbreak of the war, right before England goes to war with yeah. Germany. And so that's kind of his, his world that he's living in and he'll kind of reference it. But when he's talking about the church, he's primarily talking about the Anglican church, even though he's, he, he admits that it's really difficult for a Protestant church to be the church in, uh, in any kind of official sense in relation Mm -hmm. to the state, uh, because, or, or even, I, I guess like liberal Protestant evangelical stuff. So, you kind of really have to be Anglican, Orthodox, or Catholic to really have the stability necessary. Or yeah. he also includes Lutheranism um, to have the stability of creating a society built upon this practice of faith and this practice of Christianity. Mm-hmm. So that's the foundation he's coming from. He has some really great things in here because he's talk- he talks a lot about Germany and Russia. And you can. it was very clear in those days you could look at Germany and Russia and say – look at what they're doing. Right. And that's, this is not good. This is not good. We're seeing, you know, he's annexing places and they're, they're annexing places. This is not good. He, he, he has a couple quotes that I'm going to lay on you here. He says, I suspect that in our loathing of totalitarianism, there is infused a good deal of admiration for its efficiency, uh, which is, which is kind of the first thing. And I was like, huh, interesting. Uh, so he starts, he's just talking about 
Germany and Russia in terms of what we can admire about them, but saying functionally, well, these are, these are pagan societies, but what is the, what is our society in reference to that society? Uh, And the, the line that really got me, he says, totalitarianism can retain the terms of freedom and democracy and give them its own meaning. And it's right to them is not so easily disproved as minds inflamed by passion. Suppose we are in danger of finding ourselves with nothing to stand for, except a dislike of everything maintained by Germany and or Russia. So his, his contention at the very beginning of this essay is that we can't define what a society is negatively yeah, because, like because we are not, we are, we are not Germany. We are not Russia because that, negative assertion of a society is not going to take you anywhere, right? It's ultimately going to become pagan <laughs> essentially is what he says. If you just keep defining your, your society by what it's not. Um, he also said, conversely, if you define a society by what it is positively, then it can also be really pagan, but then you actually have a chance of making it Christian, Yeah, uh, which is, which is good. And so, he says we need to stop defining our society as it relates to we're not what Germany's doing, we're not what Russia's <laughs> doing, but we need to start being more positive and taking these positive elements. That's that is kind of his first big point. And I think he's writing this about England in the 1930s, but I think that still applies to America it, today. No, is that I, we, I know it applies to America today. Because like, it's what's just the all, first we, thing, all we think about. What's yeah, the first thing ahead. that happens when a cop murders someone? This is not who we are this as a is, country. I know. It's like, well, <laughs> why you can only say that <laughs> so many times until it's yeah. It's like it's like if, it's like it's like when not if it's like when I eat six Oreos in one sitting. If mm-hmm. every time I did that, I go, this is not this is not who I am. No, it very much is who you are, Patrick. You need to stop eating all those Oreos. I realize that those two things are not even close in terms of morally speaking but they're they're pretty close <laughs> sin is sin you know eating entire eating entire sleep of oreos in one sitting um yeah we we love to define ourselves by what we're not but i think it's because mm-hmm. i've been thinking a lot about this well i've been thinking about this at least once or twice <laughs> maybe not a lot but the bill of rights is very who we are not you know Yes. The Bill of Rights is very much like, this is who we are. Here's all the ways we're not England. Yeah, we're not England. We are not. Soldiers can't quarter and, you know, soldiers can't live in your house. Uh, You know, we're not going to take your guns. We're not going to censor your speech. We're not going to do this. And it's very much, we don't do this. We don't do this. But there isn't an emphasis on, there isn't an emphasis on what exactly life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness means. Mm-hmm. at least not like a unified principle. And like, I, I also don't necessarily know if the way that the framers defined those words mm-hmm. are good things, but yeah, the, the pursuit of eudaimonia thing, would be a better way to put it, you know? So everyone good. knows exactly what they're talking about. Everyone right. knows eudaimonia. Yeah. You want to define it. Eudaimonia is like, is like a total human happiness. It's the happiness the philosophers Mm. talk about and it's right. The end. Yeah. The end of human life. The end. It's not, it's not a pursuit of hedonistic momentary Uh pleasure. It's a pursuit of contentment and I am, I am living out my life. But the, the one, the main issue with that, right. Is that pursuit of such a thing seems to imply at least maybe they didn't think of this but it has in effect applied it's pursuit gives it this air of like 
we are trying to attain this thing in spite mm-hmm. of other people. Whereas the way that the way that Catholic social teaching works is you cannot achieve your own personal fulfillment without everyone else achieving their personal fulfillment as well. Mm-hmm. And the, the idea of a pursuit of individual happiness, the pursuit of individual contentment, right. we, we believe that it has to come at the expense of others that's that's kind wrongly. Of a, wrongly we we erroneously yes. believe that it has to become yes. at the expense of others but it's we have a common good it's like if everyone is yeah. achieving which is why like which is why when we have discussions about um if, if we if we had if we had the common good as like a value like we are we are a country that seeks the common good for all of its citizens if we all believed that and worked with that we would have an easier time having a discussion about mm-hmm. racial disparity you know, and people wouldn't be like, well, you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't be when someone brings up, you know, hey, in major cities, freeways were used to uh, redline certain districts. And those mm-hmm. minority minority populated areas have been very poor for generations. Um, people wouldn't have a reactionary go like, oh, highways are racist now. And instead they would say, oh, is this is the way that we've set up our highway system? Not uh, not good for the common good. What can we do to fix that? Right. That was a real life example. That's good. Oh, from your experience. Yeah. So like there there was, there was a, there was a video I watched that was like, Hey, here's how, here's how redlining has worked in Los Angeles and in Chicago. Mm, I thought you had a, we're having a conversation with someone about highways being racist. Oh no, I wasn't having a conversation with someone, but I, I, you're just, this this is is an opinion that I saw, but it's like, it's like, it's an understandable opinion for someone to have because people believe like there's, there's an erroneous belief out there that people want to be, whenever racial injustice comes up, people are making things up. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, we just have a distrust of each other. We don't think we yeah. don't think people are acting in good faith. Anyway, no. And so the I want to go back to what you were saying about how the the individual pursuit of uh, happiness mm-hmm. to the uh, I guess detriment or without really caring about the other people around you uh, is kind of liberalism. It's kind of like the definition of liberalism. Yeah, individualism and, and, and yeah, in, individualism. And so there's this. He he quotes my my favorite author that I've never read, who's Christopher Henry Dawson. I've never read this guy, but he's the in the Prodigal Church book. He's the guy that came up with the bourgeois, uh, bourgeois church. church, yeah, the bourgeois church distinction. That's that's Christopher Dawson. So he's like this this great guy. I'm always looking at his books on thrift books, but they're always out of stock. And so just trying to figure anyone has any Christopher Henry Dawson books, send them to my house. Send them on over, please. baby. So he says. Mr. Christopher Dawson considers that what the non, so going back to, yes, like we're defining ourselves as what we're not. So we're not, we're not, this is a country. Okay. But if you believe in liberalism, he says what the non-dictorial states stand for today is not liberalism per se, but democracy and goes on to foretell that the advent in these states foretell the advent in these states of a kind of totalitarian democracy. So, we don't really. This is Veritatis Splendor. It pretty much. I mean, this he's he quotes something Quadrisimo Anno in this as yeah, well. Yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the the quarter of a century. Wait, yeah, yeah I think so. I think it's Quadrisimo Anno. Yeah. So he's he's talking about after Rerum Novarum. Yes. So he's yeah. he's talking about how these because he was just he was an Anglican he wasn't a Catholic but he had he was very Catholic in his thought like a lot of these things that I was reading mm-hmm. I was like wow this is super Catholic but he's not. Well, he was friends with C.S. Lewis and Tolkien. Yeah, kind of a, what a guy. Uh, So talking about liberalism, so a lot of people don't, 
like maybe implicitly we affirm liberalism as the kind of founding principle of what America is. But if you ask most people what it is, they'll say democracy, right? It's kind of like Mm -hmm. this, that's kind of the thing that we place our trust in. But what Christopher Dawson says and what T.S. Eliot agrees with, and then there's another quote that I'm about to read, is when you place all of your trust in democracy to the because you're trying to define yourself as not totalitarian, then ultimately your belief in democracy becomes this totalitarian thing. Whereas you're trying to enforce all of these things that make you not totalitarian uh, on, on a large mass of people. And so this is kind of what he, this is in 1939, right? And he's writing this and it it was freaking me out, like how accurate it was to almost a hundred years later. (laughs) So he says, this is the very end of this chapter. He says, or we might get a totalitarian democracy, different but having much in common with other pagan societies, because we shall have changed step by step in order to keep pace with them, a state of affairs in which we shall have regimentation and conformity, without respect for the needs of the individual soul, the puritanism of a hygienic morality in the interest of efficiency, uniformity of opinion through propaganda, and art only encouraged when it flatters the official doctrines of the time. And I was just like, bro, like that's what that's what's happening right now. And hold on. What? Go back. <laughs> Read that one more time. <laughs> just the last part again. The which the last part, without respect for we shall have regimentation and conformity, without respect uh-huh. for the needs of the individual soul, the puritanism of a hygienic morality in the interest of efficiency uniformity of opinion through propaganda and art only encouraged when it flatters the official doctrines of the time to those who can imagine and are therefore repelled by such a prospect one can assert that the only possibility of control and balance is a religious control and balance that the only hopeful course for a society which would thrive and continue its creative activity in the arts of civilization is to become christian and then this last line is so good that prospect involves at least discipline inconvenience and discomfort but here is hereafter the alternative to hell is purgatory, which is just so good. <laughs> so good. I just that was. I mean, that blasted my brain open. Was it's so, it's so incredible mm-hmm. because we have been so Christianity has been so like oh what's the word, um, not coddled. Mm. That's a different. Uh, subdued Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and like mm -hmm. what is a word for like put to sleep uh neutered (laughs) yes yeah christianity has been neutered Mm -hmm. by the overarching story of liberalism yes because like when i bring up um hey everybody should be christian right like everybody should be yes some of my close friends they're like patrick come on that's you know but it's like if you read scripture it's like all the nations yes. are supposed to yes. become disciples. Dude. So like Ooh. Ooh. that that's God's will that like everyone becomes Christian, you know? And so like and that and with that understanding, you start to like you start to kind of re look at history, mm-hmm. you know, and like mm-hmm. what are what are the parts of history where people are the most anti-Christian. It's the parts of history where we believe that the Catholic church is imposing itself on people. Yes. So you have the Galileo problem and you have the crusades, right? Because first of all, we take those, we take those situations and we pretend that they're happening today. Mm -hmm. So like if those things happen today, people would be very upset about them. Um, But people are not just upset that they happen. They're, they're upset because they believe that people were imposing a way of life. Yes. But that's what Christianity is. Yes. 
it's inherently opposing imposing a way of life. It's someone saying, this is how you must live now. And that's not comfortable. Yes. And, and when it's, it's not comfortable for me and I try to do it every day. Exactly. And it's not comfortable for us. And we don't like the way of life that Christ proposes We're we just are naturally like, I don't want this. And when you don't have a culture that's reinforcing it saying, this is actually good. It's possible. Here's a bunch of examples. And we're going to give you a framework to actually succeed in the Christian life. But mm-hmm. I mean, not succeed in the Christian life, but, uh, it will dispose you. To it will dispose you the to the Christian life. life. Somebody, I think it was, uh, Ross do that doubt hat who I'm subscribed to his Substack, but he wrote a post about how the, the elites of this country don't like Christianity because they like challenging things that they can succeed at. So like they like a really hard workout or they like the grind of the daily, you know, you know, six to six to 11 PM, you know, work so I can build my business. And then you, you teach, you introduce them to Christianity and they work really hard at it, but they still fail and they still sin. And they don't, mm-hmm. they don't like that. It's like challenges, like that. challenges that you can uh, handle or like that are, that you want and the versus challenges that you don't want. And the, and then that was combine that with what Elliot says later is if the Christian way of life is not the way of life that's being, I, I guess for lack of a better word, imposed or at the very least uh, set up as a, as a framework to live right in a society, then totalitarian states will provide their own way of life their own morality for you to live instead and that's why like going back to that very first quote if we don't admire totalitarian states for everything we at least admire them for their efficiency because i mean if you think about what fascist germany did it got everyone a lot of not most people a lot of people on the same page about how to live as a good german really quickly right it was enforced very quickly and everybody knew this is what we do and this is how we live and this is the way of life that we're going to have and they welcomed it. They said, yes, give that to us. We want it. Because there was no there was no Christian society there to give them a way of life instead. And then similarly for democracy, like this totalitarian democracy that we're in now, we we can't we don't have the framework to accept the Christian way of life. And so we just kind of accept the way of life of the masses that kind of gets voted mm-hmm. on and decided. And it's crazy. I don't want to under I don't want to underemphasize the importance of baptism here no 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 yes because and I, this is this is something that because when when you talk about this to people who are you know born liberals like all of us mm-hmm. right the new paganism mm-hmm. you know we're like born into this we're, we're swimming in, in the water and we're drinking it you know um when you propose a christian society it's proposed as a new set of laws but christianity is not the law mm-hmm you know, mm-hmm. because it it's like trying to impose the moral law of Christianity onto the state would be it, like trying yeah. to impose the the Mosaic Covenant right. onto the state. Like, okay, now you can't eat meat and cheese or yeah, wear mixed fabrics. You know, mm-hmm. it'd be it'd be, it'd be a complete life change. And you're right the the life <laughs> the life uh, imposed by Christ. I read this awful book for my sacraments class. It was called Sacramental Theology, and it was the main textbook used in seminaries from the 80s until the 90s, oh, no. and I understand now mm-hmm. why everything so. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, probably earlier in the 80s. It was, it was a very popular book. Yikes. And um, he, in, in the book of in – in his chapter on holy orders, he talks about how the new covenant um, overrode the old covenant sacrifices. And he talks about the, how the new covenant – 
Nowhere in, in the Gospels, he says, does the new covenant need a priesthood? Essentially, that's what he says. He, because he says the sacrifice of the new covenant is not um, a sacrifice at all. It's a communal meal. Works of charity, uh, love, and whatever. I don't mm-hmm. know. And he talked about the diaconate, and he talked about how the diaconate shows that the God, he said it was one of the most beautiful lines in the book, but if you read it wrong, it's awful. The diaconate shows that the liturgy has real consequences in the world. The diaconate shows that the liturgy has real consequences for the world. Mm-hmm. But what he meant was the deacons, they go be altar servers and then they go be social workers afterwards. Like that's what he meant. Mm. He was like, the Christian way of life is doing good things for the poor and loving each other. And all those things are good, but like the American Red Cross can do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was, I was giving a presentation on this chapter and I was like, it's true that the, di- the diaconate has living consequences in the world. But like, look at the first deacons, right? <laughs> the first deacons were called to be, you know, feeders of the widows and the orphans. Mm-hmm. But then that's in chapter six of Acts. But then in chapter seven and eight, they don't do that. Stephen goes and preaches the entire gospel message to the Jews and then, and then gets stoned. Dies. Yeah. And then Philip goes to the Sumerians and he teaches them the gospel. And then he goes to a eunuch from Ethiopia, a Gentile, and preaches him the gospel. And if you remember Acts 1.8, that's, I send you to Judea, Mm -hmm. Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The deacons preach the gospel. And I was like, yeah, the deacons show the liturgy has has consequences in the world. But the deacons show that those, those consequences in the world are not just good works and people having money now. Those consequences are people believing in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that can only happen through grace. And so like, that's what a Christian society, um, like they had in Acts, that's what a Christian society pushes onto the world. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's communicative and it communicates grace. Um, and it can only be done when people are baptized, right? It can yes. only, that, that the, the difficulty of the Christian life, the fact that you're going to be called to preach the gospel and you might be killed for it, that can only happen because you're given the grace and baptism and confirmation to do it. And the weird thing is, is that we live in a new pagan society that has latent baptismal grace. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most people in our country and in our, in our leadership, right. Have baptismal character. Yeah. And that baptismal character, if you are not in a state of sin, earns you sanctifying grace. Mm-hmm. Like it it, it uh, entitles you to the help of God, right? And so if we were to activate that, mm-hmm. we would be able to push a sacramental society. So, so a, a, a Catholic, a Christian society today should be easier to make yes. than back then. Yes. Because we don't, <laughs> because people are, people are, are, are already mm-hmm. baptized mm-hmm. so that they, they are new creation, right? But the difficulty is it's just there isn't the sense of urgency because persecution creates a sense of urgency. But a lack of persecution creates a sense of sluggardness. And I think that's our problem mm-hmm. is that we don't – like I said, we've been impetized. We've been, we've been neutered by the, by the anti-Christian – by like the – not anti-Christian. It's specifically not anti-Christian. Mm-hmm. By the a-Christian society. Ne- neutral society. He talks about neutral society yeah. in this book as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yes. Neutral society. Yes. Just like, we don't care. You can push us forward, backward, Dude, whatever. That's, you're making me flip all over this freaking book. Cause there's just and it's so hard to evangelize money. that. It really is. Yeah. Because you're talking to someone and they're just like, yeah, I used to be Catholic. Yeah. I, I mean, I used to. And you're like, well, don't you want to like 
know the whole gospel? Like, mm-hmm. don't you want to, don't you want to find out what you may have missed it, when, when you left? And they're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine. Yeah. But they're like not doing fine. Yeah. They're lonely. Yeah. They're sad. And they drink too much. They're addicted to and porn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you it's know? just, it's tough. The, there's a whole, I don't even know how, how long we are. We probably need to go to Dr. Ethan's day. I, we might have to do a part two. We might have to do next week and do the second half of this. Okay, fine. I'll read the essay in between now yeah, and then. Maybe. There's there's one last thing. There's one that. last thing I want to end because there's something that you brought up that I think is really important that he writes about. He says, "We must abandon the notion that the Christian should be content with the freedom of cultus, and or cultus, and with suffering no worldly disabilities on account of his faith. However bigoted the announcement may sound, the Christian can be satisfied with nothing less than a Christian organization of society, which is not the same thing as a society consisting exclusively of devout Christians." It would be a society in which the natural end of man, virtue and well-being and community, is acknowledged for all and the supernatural end, beatitude, for those who have the eyes to see it. So his, I think you said this briefly at one point, you're kind of circling around it, is that we can't just, like freedom of religion is is good because it means that we have the freedom to worship and we, we don't get persecuted for it. But at the same time, as Christians, we need to acknowledge that a Christian organization of society, a society that is organized... And in the way that the laws are, the way that people interact with each other, the way that business is conducted, the way that politics happen, all is oriented towards the fulfillment of man, which is virtue and and happiness and and peace among men right here on this earth and then heaven in the next life, right? Like that's that's what the society should be oriented towards. And what we have right now in America and what most, I think almost every society has right now is not that it's this at least in the Western world, we have this, what you were talking about, the neutral society that just mm-hmm. is however you think you you and your friends need to get to where you're going, you can do it. But that actually yeah. leaves so many souls by the wayside because even the people who are yeah. not Christian in a Christian society will grow in virtue because there's a yes. whole world around them that is that is go- growing in virtue. Trying to grow in virtue, right? yeah. And think of the ways that that is evangelistic just by the way that people walk around mm-hmm. and live and move and work. And he specifically doesn't specify any kind of political system or specific reforms to like get us to that point. Yeah. Um, he does talk about some things. The whole, the whole other part of this is how political theory and educational theory in a country are related. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's phenomenal, but we can't, we don't have time. So we probably we can't talk, we'll talk about, about it. it next week. I think, I think you made a good point. Cause like, I don't want to, I don't want to pretend that we're trying to impose religion, but it's like, no. it's not an impo- imposition of a religion. It's an imposition of virtue. Yes. And virtue is imposed on us. But the reality, the reality is that like you can try and come to the conclusion of what is good, true and beautiful on your own, mm-hmm. but we're all really, really stupid. Mm-hmm. We're all very dumb. Yes. And even if we knew intellectually what we're supposed to do so often when we're by ourselves, we don't want to do it. Yes. You know, I eat so much less sugar now that I'm married. Cause I know my wife is going to watch me do it. She's going to be like, Patrick, you're eating too much sugar. Right. You know, like I hang out with Emma all uh, week and I only watched three golf videos instead of 20 golf videos yeah you know because i yeah i had to grow i had to be a big boy my driver this is why marriage is good for you. my driver's swing is really great by the way i really have improved yeah it. i just want to let you know we, we'll, we'll go we'll go golfing yes. when we go play when we go when i go visit for for dune or for the wedding yes. we'll go golfing. all of you both, all of you both, please anyway so Dr. i data corner yeah i just just to close the idea of a christian society by t.s Eliot. it's a really good essay uh, I think you should read it. I think everybody listening should read it. I was just kind of shocked. It was, this was a $6 book that I found. Wow. Yeah. 
just on the shelf and it's it's a good looking book it, it's very tactile yeah, it you know i I, yeah. I love it i love blue and gold to get a study i know it really is also we're only like an hour in we can we can take our time on doctor Who's oh, okay cool, cool cool well i just want to make sure yeah, we, we had enough we had enough time uh yeah. with this new catholic match sponsorship i don't know how much uh Ooh. am i not allowed this to talk so about exciting. that oh okay. we can okay, <laughs> okay cool. are you ready for doctor Who's i am <laughs> You came to the right place, you ding dong. It's called communication, baby. <laughs> Welcome by to Dr. Ethan's Zady Quarter, sponsored by Catholic Match. <laughs> We're a real podcast now. Sponsored Guys, segment. This is not a joke. We are now. Sponsored segment. Officially. We are now sponsored by Catholic Match. So what that means, what that means is you've probably heard it already. Um, there's a short um, or at the end, depending. Uh, it's just real quick. And um, they are now semi-permanent sponsors of the podcast. So they are going to be helping us by sending us questions. If you follow Catholic Match on Instagram, they'll be posting pretty much once a month, they'll be posting mm-hmm. Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner uh, Google form so you can fill it out. Um, yeah, and so we already got like, it's only been up for a day. We got five responses. Yeah, we, we haven't even posted on Instagram yet. So this is this is the new way to submit Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner. Okay, so we're gonna put the link to submit Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner in the, uh, link in the description. Link in bio. Who's Lincoln bio? Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln bio. <laughs> uh, that's how you're going to submit Dr. Standing Corner. You're not going to email to us anymore. Uh, but if you have a really funny story, please give as much information as possible on this Google form. Uh, anyway, let's 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 get into Dr. Standing Corner. We got two patients today, Dr. Oh, Ethan. baby, I'm ready. Um, so one is about changing someone and one is about uh, someone's ex. Which one would you like to deal with first? Uh, we should start with the one that'll be harder first, which is probably the changing someone. And then we can right. go to the ex All right. Let's, let's, let's open this. Yeah. Also, I love it because these export to PDF, so I don't have to like copy and paste. Yay. It. This, is perfect. this is so great. Oh, man. Well, while I'm pulling these up, uh, I'll also be posting the form on facebook.com groups slash the crunch cast. So if, you're, if you've been looking for a reason to you know, go on facebook.com slash group slash crunchcast. You should do it. Oh, you know what I realized? I should just put a, a dynamic insertion ad at the end of all of our previous episodes about the Facebook group to get people who are way behind in the group. Yeah, absolutely. That'd That's a great idea. idea. Wow. Thank you. We love to brainstorm on the pod. All right. Um, it's loading. All right. This one comes from Derek, who did not wish to remain anonymous. So shout out to Derek. Uh, his question is, should you ever try to change someone? His elaboration is, if you're dating someone who has real flaws, does it ever make sense to try and fix them or change them? What if you really love someone, but they have some things they should work on? Derek does not has heard of the crunch, but does not listen to it. That's also a question in the form. So, oh, thanks, Derek. Derek. Hopefully, well, welcome, welcome to the show. We answered your question. Welcome to the pod. Uh, this, is, this is the eternal question, and yeah. it's so simple. Because this is usually a question that women are asking about men. It's like, my boyfriend, my fiance, my husband, he's messed up. Yeah. <laughs> I got to change him. <laughs> and it's interesting that Derek is writing in because it's like, I feel like when guys, on average, when they date girls, they're like, she's great. 
nothing really wrong with her. Nope, but then the girls are like, there's, there's a lot messed up with this guy. Um, <laughs> the no, no, you can't like the, the hard thing is, is that you can't change someone. It's the same thing with evangelization. It's the same thing with any friendship is if you go in with the mindset of I'm going to change them, which is code for I'm going to make them more like me. Yeah. Then actually. usually then, uh, or I'm going to make them have the defects that I'm okay with and make them have the strengths <laughs> that I'm okay with, you yeah. know, cause we don't want people to have defects and strengths that we, we are not fans of. Yeah. And so that's just selfish ultimately, which sucks to hear. Sorry, Derek, welcome to the podcast, but <laughs> just, yeah, I mean, it is, it is. And what you have to do is be patient, which is so challenging because it's not your job to fix this person. It's your job to have conversations. If you see them, uh, you know, doing something to have a conversation, like you're dating them or they're your fiance or they're your spouse say, Hey, I've noticed this, this, and this, Uh, the way that I perceive it is this, this, and this, is that your experience or my misunderstanding? Right. And so then you can get their perspective on the issue and it's not in a threatening way. Cause then you're not coming in and saying, Hey, you do this, which (laughs) as we know is the best way to start any a kind fight. of, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but going at it from an angle of like, let me understand where you're coming from. Let me explain to you what I see. Is this accurate? Yeah. Okay. Do you agree with me? Let's, let's see what we can do next. And then if they don't respond to that, if they don't immediately change, that's not your, it's not your job. Yeah. Like it's, it's up to Jesus Christ to give people the grace to be more conformed to him. It's not your job to give people grace to be more conformed to you, mm-hmm. which is uh, what we would like more often than not. Do you have any other thoughts? I feel like I, I, I do. I do. So like it, it comes down to Derek, you don't know this because you're new, but uh, it's called communication, baby. It's all about it's communication. It's all about communication. And like if you're dating someone and yeah, they have flaws, like you should bring it up to them. You know, like trying to change them is definitely, I don't know if you meant it this way. But it's not it's not the way to think about it because it's not your responsibility to change someone even if you even if you love them and even if you want to spend the rest of your life with them. Um, it is your job to encourage them to virtue and you can't encourage someone to virtue if you're not talking and generally that talking will result in conflict. So my question for Derek is do you love this person enough to start a fight with them? Because it's hard. It's real hard. It is hard. You got to be And obviously to don't go dirty. in guns a blazing but like No. Do you love this person enough to be uncomfortable with the conversation mm-hmm. that's about to ensue? That's how I should put mm-hmm. it. That's yeah. all I have to add. I think the in the Catholic world, at least, where we're we listen to all these Sarah Swafford talks, and we're like, the person that I date slash get married to has to be the holiest, most perfect person ever. Which is funny because that's so that, not what Sarah Swafford's emotional virtue or dating with virtue is about. But that's what it gets misconstrued, and that's yeah. all that anybody wants is the the perfect boyfriend, the perfect girlfriend, the perfect. It's because spouse. her family is perfect. That's what it is. Yes, well, it is because Andrew. Swaff- have you seen Andrew Swafford? He's anyway. just he's jacked. Do- Doctor Andrew Swafford. Doctor Andrew Swafford is large and smart. Okay, that's who I'm trying to be. Yeah, that's we are we are both of those individually. <laughs> one of us is large, and one of us is smart. You do the math. <laughs> um. <laughs> And Patrick's a smart one, so think about that. Dang it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I weigh 150 pounds. Uh, so I think in that mindset, we want our significant other to be holy. We want them to be yes, uh, virtuous so that 
they can go to heaven. Like we, we want that for them. And then we also want that for ourselves because we want to be with someone who is virtuous because we know that we're supposed to be with someone who's virtuous. But again, it's taking it into your own hands, something that's not your responsibility. This is a different story if some, if you're dating someone who is actively engaged in actively and obstinately engaged in mortal sin. Like this, this is a whole different story. If that's the case, like if someone is, is going out and getting drunk every other night, and you're dating them and they just don't believe that it's wrong and are refusing to change and won't listen to you, then like, yeah, maybe you can think about trying to change them. But more often than not, if it's in that kind of situation, you need to just leave the relationship and anything less than that. It's, it's not your job to fix. Yeah. It's your job to, to encourage and to pray for and to pray with and to have conversations. And if the other person can't handle those conversations or you can't handle those conversations, it's like, what, what are you doing? Are you in this relationship for you or are you in it for, the other person. That's a good question. So that's, that's not very funny. I feel like that's not very funny. No, but it was very topic. important. Is the next one, is it's there more? Important. This one. Yeah. Is there more opportunity there for There is some, comedy? ah, this one's kind of sad too. Um, oh, dang. All right. We got to work people, Okay. I got, I, I got, okay. I, I can give you another option. Okay. Um, I trust you. you okay. Yeah. To, all right. We'll, we'll do this. You're my, my nurse practitioner. You bring <laughs> me the patients. I see them. We both get paid. We both get paid. Buku bucks. So this dating question comes from Taylor, who has also heard of the show, but doesn't listen. Or no, sorry. She's never heard of the show. So welcome, Taylor. Sweet. If you're listening. Gosh, this is awesome. Hey. Yeah, I know. It's great. It's great. We're get, guys. We're new crunchers. Okay. New crunchers. New crunchers. Taylor, go to facebook.com slash group slash. The crunch. The crunch. crunch welcome to the pot. Welcome to the pocket. Uh, she does not want to remain anonymous. So shout out Taylor. Uh, the, the short summary of her question. Dating while waiting on an ex. Hmm. I know. This is a very interesting question. I am broken up from me ex of several years. My ex of several years. Um, I want to date new people. But in the back of my mind, I know if I ever dated someone new and my ex came to me and said we could get back, we could get back together, I would break up with a new person and get back to with, together with my ex. Is this bad? If it is, how can I get over them for good? I just feel like me and my ex are meant for each wow. other. So I'm I'm getting some mixed signals from Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> the very first sentence is I want to date other people. But then the rest of the email, she goes on to say how she just doesn't want to date. I don't other want people. to date other people. <laughs> I don't want to date other people. It's like, she's saying yes, but she's shaking her head. No, she's like, I want to date uh, other people. Does she want, do you want to rebound Taylor? Don't do it. Don't do it girl. We believe you. Taylor, you can't No. Wait, I just realized, wait, hold on. I, hold on. I made a, if... I made a crucial mistake. I made a crucial mistake. They only use gender neutral pronouns and Taylor is a, a guy or a girl. So who knows? <gasps> I made a crucial mistake. I broke up my ex of several years. In the back of my mind, I know if I ever dated someone new, my ex came to me and said, "I would break up with a new person." Returned my ex. Is this bad? How can I get over them for good? I just feel like me and my ex. Were... Yeah, they never, they never gave. So Taylor is either a boy or a girl. Taylor, next time. This is Taylor. This is Taylor Marshall. Marshall. Taylor, Taylor Marshall. Marshall your wife show. is perfectly fine. Okay, you need to stay with her. All right, this is important. <laughs> yes. Let's assume Taylor's a girl because okay. that's how we started. And also, this sounds like a girl. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe that honestly, would be now so that I'm wrong. reading it as a guy, like now that I'm reading it as if it's a guy, the way the way that they said, if I ever dated someone new and my ex came to me and said we could get back together, it sounds mm. like it sounds like a, a young boy who wants to, you know. Yeah. All right. I've decided, Taylor. First of all, you're a guy. Second of all, she's, she's not, not going back. back. If she <laughs> broke up with sip, you, this... just let it go. If he broke yeah, up with you, let it that's, go. That's the hard thing. Yeah. What would be really funny, though, is if Taylor went out on a bunch of dates and, like, 
the ex knew when the dates would be happening and just kind of showed up and said, Hey, I want to get back together. And then got like a free dinner and then broke up with him again. And then he went out on a date with another person. And then, cause he just said to meet like immediately he'd get back with her. So she just keeps going interrupting his dates, yeah. getting free dinners. Cause he's just like, I can't, I have to I say think, yes. <laughs> I think you gotta, you gotta ask yourself this question, man or gal. Um, let's, let's say one. this situation occurred where you're dating a new person and then your ex came mm-hmm. to you and said, Hey, we can get back together now. Would you want to be with someone who would do that? Who would yeah, come back to that, you while you're dating question. someone else and say, I want to get back together with you? Yeah. Would you want that? I don't, I wouldn't want that. I I want to date other people. But every time I think about dating another person, I think about how I only want to be tied down with this one yeah. particular person. So I think you either got to, it's one or two has to go. Either you need to just wait for the ex yeah. to come back around, which... Bad Skeleton idea. meme, just sitting on a bench. Never, <laughs> never, never, never wait for an X. Yeah. Just ever. I think this is you gotta. The train. It's three is letters at the forward. end of the alphabet. You gotta. You All can't right. stop. It's just alpha, Just don't wait for an X. Don't wait for an X. Uh, or you gotta date other people. And I think broken I think up with my ex of several years. Several years. That is time. a long time. But if you break up after several years, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like going great. Yeah, and it's like if it's like it's like, if it's like a relatively permanent break. You know what I mean? Where it's like you guys aren't like yeah. getting back together after a month no. or so. I think I think Friends has done so much damage to the culture. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's like look, they didn't remain friends because that's something that can happen. They remained friends because they were both making millions, millions of, of dollars, dollars an episode, episode okay? <laughs> <laughs> they remained friends because Jennifer Aniston is hot and for some reason people think David Schwimmer's hot. Uh, did you know that they actually they went on strike because they weren't making a million because, dollars an episode because david schwimmer wasn't as hot as the rest of the cast <laughs> <laughs> so like we want they a new like, ross we gotta get this guy out of here <laughs> give us new ross, new ross. New ross. we want brendan fraser we want brendan I fraser i understand why she it was <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh it also it also it also Your um, life is not a tv show in the sense that Life's not a TV show. The girl that you like in high school will not move in with your sister and then date you. Yeah. Life's not a TV show. The person that you like after they break up with you is not going to come back and you should not expect them to. And if they do, you need to just say, sorry, we broke up for all of these valid reasons. Like I just, man, I just feel bad for this person. It's it's more of an exception than it is a rule. It is. Getting back. It is. I think generally, if you break up, you broke up for a good reason, and that you and you need to just move on. Yes. This is this obviously can have exceptions, but you didn't give us enough detail, Taylor. I don't even know if you're a boy. That's the rule. If you're new yeah, to and I said things, include age and gender. Welcome to the show, Taylor. Sorry, but your life is not a TV show. Yeah, he's new. He doesn't. He or she is new. Doesn't listen. So welcome to the show, Taylor. But uh, here's here's something that I I didn't think about while I was writing putting this formula. Um, they submitted these questions, but we don't actually know if they're, especially if they don't listen to the crunch, like, are they just going to start listening and hope that their question gets on? Yeah. I don't think they, if they wrote in, maybe they don't know that we only have one submission a week that we subsist on. And so they might think that we're a super big mega podcast. What I want to do is what I want to do is I want to, um, I want to ask them for their, ask them for their email so that if we answer their question, I send them an email and say, Hey, we, we answered your question. Update the form. Update the form. 
Guys, the form is a living, breathing document, okay? <laughs> Sharper than any two-edged sword. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Cutting through bones and marrow, sinew and joints. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Crunch Podcast. Tune in next week for the part two of T.S. Eliot's Christianity and Culture, oh, the idea so of a Christian society where me and Pat talk about educational theory. <laughs> it's going to be so good. I'm, I really, the, that part about educational theory is the part that I have the, the most highlighted. That's a this lot is of my, I lit it up, dude. Wow, I boxed nice. things. I highlighted things. I'm ready. It was a lot of highlights. So all I had was a highlight. I didn't have a pen. So all I had was a highlighter. Uh, Facebook.com slash group slash the crunch cast. Patreon.com slash the crunch for our summer Bible cast. The Bible cast is coming. Uh, if you want to get in on that, it's coming. So excited for the Bible cast. $5 a month. Summer get a whole Bible cast. Yeah, it's going to be really good. Yes. Uh, is there anything else I'm missing? No. Anything um, I we didn't talk about something that I've wanted to talk about for a while. The Chosen. Have you have you watched it? No, I haven't. Watch it. It's good. It's free. It's amazing. Okay. I will. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't say this about anything. Christian media lightly. Yeah. Uh, so go watch. You do it. say it about game shows pretty lightly. I don't. I don't recommend you go watch The Circle. I absolutely don't recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. The, one of the girls is like a model, right. and she's like, "Which oh. of these scantily clad pictures should I make my profile picture?" And I was like, "This is so uncomfortable. Please put some. Please put some." This is not up. good. I'm not. I'm not enjoying this. Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? Days fault. Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We'll be praying for you, and we'll see you all next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.